Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. As I look out among you, I understand the responsibility that myself, the other pastors, and the elders have here. In a sense, I'm responsible for your eternal destination. I don't want to ever treat sin lightly. I don't want to ever give you the attitude that you can become a Christian and live any way you want. I don't believe that for an instant. Some people think that becoming a Christian is a lot like joining another social club. That is, you go through the membership process, add your name to the list of members, and then go on with your life. The problem with that viewpoint is that that's not how God looks at becoming a Christian. In his teaching today, Pastor Mark will talk about what the Bible says becoming a Christian is. You might be surprised by what you hear, because there'll be some warnings along with all of the good news. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Dangers of Backsliding and Apostasy. I believe, without question, that Paul is talking about Christ followers, absolutely, people who have left Judaism, accepted Jesus Christ, and he warns them, get past the foundation as a baby. We finish chapter 5, where he says you have to move on to maturity now. You already have the basics down. You got the ABCs down, but the Bible is not ABCs. The Bible is A to Zs. So you need to move along. Also, notice earlier in some of the chapters, maybe it was chapter 2, Paul said this, careful that you don't drift away. Drift away from what? If you're not really a follower, what would you have to drift away from? So as we look at this, and we look at these terms, enlightened, taste, partakers of the Holy Spirit, taste of the good word, the powers of age to come, In the Calvary Chapels and myself, we believe Paul is defining real Christians, real Christ followers, not somebody that just plays at it, puts on an act, but he's warning them, and as they mature in their life, keep past the ABCs, keep moving, be careful, because you could make a U-turn. We'll see that as we move through. Well, look at those terms that you see there. Look in verse 4 through 6 again. Enlightened. And it's amazing to watch the people who are wonderful Christians. We're going to be with them in heaven, and they will dance all around this. Well, the person's enlightened. When I say enlightened, these people have experienced the light of God shining on them. To me, that's the renewal 
of the mind and the heart. Jesus is the light of the world. And he shined his light into their heart. They're enlightened. They're followers of Christ. They've tasted. I was reading one of the individuals who believes the other way. They believe the word tasted is they just took a little sampling. Well, if that's true, in Hebrews 2.9, the same word is used. It says Jesus tasted death. Was it a little sample? No, he tasted it totally. So what is tasting more? It's more than head knowledge. It speaks of a full, real experience. The heavenly gift is salvation. They've received and tasted of the heavenly gift, salvation. Partakers of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit comes into us at the moment of salvation. If not, he remains alongside of us. So they are partakers of the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has sealed them into the body of Christ. They've tasted the good word of God. In other words, they began to experience the goodness that comes from God's word. And of course, they see that as you do in your life. Last, the powers of the age to come would be talking about God's supernatural power. The ones written about in verses 4 through 6 that Paul is writing to, they have tasted and experienced the range of salvation, of leaving the old Judaism and moving to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, notice in here it says, if they would fall away. If you're not a real believer, what would you fall away from? So we believe These are real believers, real Christ followers, real Christians, whatever term you want to use, that were being warned about one thing. Don't leave Jesus. He is the only source of salvation. That's what the writer's talking about. Understand, the whole book of Hebrews in a short term, is this. Jesus is what? You've heard me say it a million times as we've gone. Jesus is better. He's better. He's better. He's better. He's better. Better than angels. Better than this. Better than the old patriarchs. Better, 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 better. So what does that mean? The writer says to them, now be careful. You know Jesus is better. He lives in you. Don't think about abandoning him and going back. Here's the key, what I believe to the whole teaching. And abandoning Jesus to go back to some way of a work-based salvation. For the Jew, it would be going back to the law. For a person who is a real Christian, and you'll have a perfect example of this at the end, who says they've been serving Christ for years, and they say, you know what? I don't believe any longer that Jesus is the only way to God. You know, I hear lots of people say, There's lots of ways to God. And Pastor Mark, I have to agree with that. So no longer do I believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Well, that person is an apostate. Why? How else will you and I ever get to heaven? If I don't believe Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, then the scripture says, I have no way to get to God. What is an apostate? Someone that just abandons Christ and abandons God. That's what happens. 
And of course, sometimes that's done through deception. We'll talk about that in the end. So what is the danger of all this? Well, these verses, it's good for you and I to understand this. These are warnings against going back to a salvation without Jesus. There is no salvation without Jesus. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. F.F. Bruce, a great theologian, says this. This passage has been unduly minimized by those who argue that these people were never fully regenerated Christians. This passage also has been unduly exaggerated by those who teach that once a person has been converted and baptized into Christ and his body and then lapses back into his or her former sinful lifestyle, there can be no future pardon or restoration to the Christian fellowship. This interpretation applies the passage out of context and makes, here it is, makes no distinction between backsliding and apostasy. I want to make a distinction between backsliding and apostasy. I believe that the Bible teaches there's a difference between backsliding and apostasy. So as I look at verses 4 and 5, I believe the Bible teaches very clearly the language of that. These are people who have experienced the saving grace of God. They're full-on Christ followers. Full-on. I also believe that the language of verse 6 denotes a danger, not for a wishful Christian, but for a full-on Christ follower to completely disown Christ, to make a deliberate and decisive abandonment of the Christian faith. That's the warning. Thus, as we look at this passage, we would say these people are not backsliders. They're apostates. They haven't merely fallen into sin, but they've actually denounced or abandoned Christ. They have become, as the scripture says here, one who has, as though they have crucified Jesus. Now, notice the dangerous words there in verse 6. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. This is not someone who sits next to us here in our congregation. And they've served for five years and they're growing. None of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress. And they sit next to you. You miss them one Sunday. And you call them and say, hey, miss you. You normally might sit here in the fifth row and second seat here. Where are you? Well, I've abandoned Christ. Just came to me this morning and I've left Christ. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is not a single event. It's a hardening of the heart that over time, this person rejects the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Hey, you haven't been in the Bible at all. You missed church for seven weeks in a row. You know, you're kind of headed back into doing what you did before. Come on back. And the Holy Spirit convicts, but this person goes, no, I'm not really interested in that, and thanks a lot for talking to me. But And they begin this process, not an event, of over and over and over again. Here's the key word you got to remember tonight. Deliberately rejecting 
the Holy Spirit. Deliberately. Not by accident. Whoops, slipped into sin. Deliberately doing this. And so, all of a sudden, they disregard and reject Christ. And it could be many ways to God, or it could be atheist, agnostic. There is no God. Lots of different ways to go when you abandon Christ. So what I say to you is, this passage gives us a differentiation between someone who's backsliding, I'll define that for you in a moment, and someone who is full-on headed to apostasy. Apostasy simply means rebellion, abandonment, turning completely away from. Now, before I go further, let me just say this to you. From a personal level, I never, ever personally worry about my salvation. Never. I'm as secure as can be. The reason is, I never plan ever to abandon Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know God is approachable only through Jesus Christ. I put people around me that can challenge me, that can keep me in case I ever get a hard heart. Not to abandon Christ, but get a hard heart. I try to stay in the Word of God. As John 15 says, and I'll give it to you at the end, this was Pastor Chuck's famous saying in answer to all this. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. I have no absolute any thought of abandoning Christ. My goal is just to simply abide in him. Rest, stay in, stay connected, as John 15 is all about the vine and the branches. So because of that, I have no fear at all that I'm going to lose my salvation. He who began a good work in me, absolutely going to finish it. Now, what about a person who says that, but now heads back the other direction? Is there a danger of passing a line that they can't come back to Christ? That's what we want to talk about. And let me just at this point, I was going to do it later, but I won't do it now. As I look out among you, I understand the responsibility that myself, the other pastors, and the elders have here. In a sense, I'm responsible for your eternal destination. I don't want to ever treat sin lightly. I don't want to ever give you the attitude that you can become a Christian and live any way you want. I don't believe that for an instant. So when I share my heart with you, I do see through a glass darkly. I don't know that anybody else sees this perfectly. I don't think there's a way to do it until we get to heaven. But I do know this. I'm secure because that's my desire. An apostate or a backslider that becomes an apostate, which is a rarity, is someone who deliberately chooses to abandon Christ. So that shouldn't be a danger for those of us that are growing and maturing. I don't want to give you false hope, and I don't want to give you condemnation. I want to give you assurance. And I think we can all be assured when we leave, absolutely without a doubt. Because I'm going to have to stand before God and say, did I give these people the understanding that once they're saved, they can just live however they want? I don't believe the Bible teaches that. So there is a responsibility that needs to come here. Now, this passage is not talking about a person who slips or falls in their relationship with God. 
Did anybody slip and fall this week in this room? Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you already know what I'm going to say. It may not have been intentional. Did you love every one of your neighbors as yourself? Now let's ask for a show of hands. Let's see. It's better. Good, good. So we slipped and fall. But what about the person that slips and falls and goes back to sinning? Is this who this is talking about? No. What about the person who slips and falls, goes back to sinning, and is miserable in their sin? This is not who this passage is talking about. Prodigal son was a backslider. What did the prodigal son finally do? He said he came to his what? Senses. He was what? Miserable. And he went back home. But it was impossible to restore him to salvation. Is that correct? No, it is not. How was the father when he came? Come give me a stinky hug there, you old pig boy. Come on, right on back. Because that's the heart of what? It's the heart of the father. It's his will that tell me. None perish. The shepherd goes after the one. So don't get a bad picture of God. That's not who this passage is talking about. This is not talking about a person who worries that they've committed the unpardonable sin. If you're here and you've worried that you've committed the unpardonable sin, I have great news for you. You haven't. You know why? Because you're worrying about it. You can't be worrying about it because your heart's still sensitive what? To God. You want to get right with God. You can't imagine how many people come to me and to the other pastors. And the one question they want to know. Quite often I have somebody that's visiting the church. I had one not long ago. He came up to the end of service. Lots of people, I told the guys today, lots of people got saved. Great service. Music was incredible. And they walked up and they said, I'm new today. First day. I said, well, terrific. How are you? I have one question. Can a person lose their salvation? See, now, what have we done? And I said to them, well, I think the Bible talks about both sides. That was the end. I never saw them again. Because why? They're looking for what? I don't really know what they're looking for. Is that what your relationship is about? Whether you can or can't lose your salvation? Is that the crux of your relationship with God? You see, very often, those individuals ask that question. Not everybody, but those people ask the question because this is where they walk with God. They want to see how close they can get. Or number two, and I'm more sensitive to this one, they have a relative who says they're a born-again Christian. But they don't live like it at all. And they want to feel secure that whatever happens to that person, and they want me to say to them, they're fine. That's not who this passage is talking about at all. Now, this is talking about a real, I believe, a real Christ follower who can decide. That's why the warning from Paul, careful to deliberately walk away from God. It's a motivation, on the other hand, from Paul, to persevere, to make sure we know there's that possibility, and then just continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. So it is a warning, but it's a positive, motivational thing to persevere in your faith. Hebrews, Jesus is better. You know he's better. Go on with him. You've just started in the ABCs. you got the whole Bible to learn. Go for it. So... Write this down tonight, and I'll explain it a little later. A Christ follower cannot lose their salvation, but they can walk away from it. They can leave it. Turn with me, 
First Timothy 4.1. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will, notice the word, abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So what do you see there? Again, you see the possibility of a real Christ follower who can choose to abandon God. Notice in that passage that they're deceived into it, but they still make a choice. I'll say this kindly, but when you hear a knock on the door, those people that say to you that Jesus is not God, and they'll say to you, we believe in the same Jesus you believe in. That is not true. That is totally false. Jesus is either God or the whole Bible's a lie. He is God. So notice, these people, they deliberately decide to walk away from God and Jesus and the way of salvation. Now, those who believe it's impossible to depart from the faith, what are you going to do with that verse that I just read you? I know what they do with it. They would say those people were never really followers. They were just professors. They just kind of thought they were. I don't believe that at all. I believe that if a person decides to leave by willful choice and remains there until they die, then it's impossible for them to be forgiven. See, I believe even an apostate can come back to Christ. Well, you say, Pastor Mark, Hebrews says it's impossible. It's impossible with man, but it's possible with God. Now, why is it impossible? It's impossible if they don't want to come back. Do you know, in a sense, Peter became an apostate for a short while. You remember what he said? Jesus said, well, I'm going to the cross, and you guys are all going to deny me. And Pete said, excuse me? I will never deny you. And what did Jesus say to him? Before the cock makes his noise, three times. What happened? Three times he did. I don't even, Jesus, who is he? Don't even know the guy. And then he even swore. Well, did God restore him? Sure, he became the first major leader in the church. So, understand, I believe that apostate can come back even. But if they die in that state, it's impossible for them, obviously, to be restored. Since all things are possible with God, the onus remains on the individual's free will. God, I want to come back. I wrote this statement for you. God will never force a person to start a relationship with him or refuse to allow them to end a relationship with him. See, that's where we would differ from the Calvinists who say a certain number of people are elect. doesn't matter what they do. They will always go to heaven. They have no choice in the matter at all. Here's a statement I think you can see from the very beginning of time, and I think it says it differently. Since the Garden of Eden, God has honored man's free will. Pastor Mark taught today about the process of backsliding and apostasy, and how the two are different. You found out that both actions are up to you. They're also not the same as the incidental, accidental sin. You end up in either situation because you choose to ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Continuing on that road will take you from backsliding into apostasy. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. 
All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up this message, The Dangers of Backsliding and Apostasy. You'll be reminded that outward actions are not a correct indicator of a person's walk with God. Pastor Mark will drill down more about the warning signs of a drift away from God or of a professed or false Christianity. And you'll learn more about God's love for you. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.